welcome to the West Cheltenham podcast. We want to see communities and places buzzing with the extraordinary presence of Jesus. Join us live on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30am. We really hope you enjoy this message. Father, we thank you for Sarah. We thank you for the time that she spent in looking at your word. And we now ask that you bless what she's prepared and use it to speak into our hearts and minds. Amen. Amen. Sue, I just wonder if this mic needs to go up slightly. I don't know if anyone was struggling. Um, Tony read excellently. I've been telling Tony that he's got a longer reading than I've got talk. So uh, <laughs> that was pretty, uh, a pretty long reading, wasn't it? When I looked at the rotor and discovered that I'd been given a passage in Leviticus, I thought back to a time 28 years ago. I had the privilege of working at Bible Society at the time, and there was a new Bible translation called the CEV coming into the UK, and I was leading a team working on that. And we came up with an idea to try and let people see the different kinds of text in the Bible. There's so much, isn't there, in the Bible? And one of them was that the Psalms are poetry. So we ought to give them lots of space. You know, one column, you can see the poetry. Of course, most of the Bible, two-column text, the layout. Why is that? Because otherwise we couldn't carry it around with us because it would be too many. But there was a group of passages that we suggested could go into three column. They could be smaller. And this is the Bible. I shall leave it on the lectern. Indeed, Leviticus 25, when I had a look at it, is one of those passages which the professors that I spoke to agreed it could be put smaller in the Bible. Do you have a leaf through if you would like to see it? The reason these passages could be put differently is because they have a different context. They're dealing with the detail that was relevant to the Israelites. It doesn't make them not important to us today, but it means we have to look at the intent behind them rather than the detail. Leviticus, part of the Old Testament bit of the Bible, and we discover a lot about God the Father. We're going back, get ready, three and a half thousand years ago, time of Moses, before Jesus, God's Son, and God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, came. The book's called Leviticus. Why has it got such a weird name? Because it was really lots of instructions for the priests, and they were called Levi's, so it's named after them. We heard Tony reading a lot of detail, which he did very well, and it was detail about a community of radical justice. We've already had the Ten Commandments recorded in the Bible by this time. Moses has already received them. And the fourth commandment is about the Sabbath, isn't it? Keep the Sabbath holy. And that happens every seven days, doesn't it? And in Tony's passage that he read, we now have more sevens, don't we? Lots of sevens. We get every seven years... 
The people and the land are to rest. And then we get some complicated mathematics with sevens, don't we? Seven times seven, every 49 years, there's going to be something even bigger. If we go to the seventh year, it's going to be a year when people are going to be able to spend time together rather than work. They're going to be able to be family in a different way, to be community. And it's also in that seventh year, they're going to have to trust God intentionally for everything they have. And then we come to this 50th year. So really it's two years. They'd have had the 49th year where they wouldn't have been working. And as I read the passage, there's then a year 50. So several generations of a family have gone by. And here we get a reset in God's plan after 50 years. The economy gets reset. The environment gets reset and society gets reset. Families who've been pulled apart through the generations with difficulties can come back together and have their dignity, their right place restored. So I asked a question when I read this passage. I thought, did the Israelites ever actually do this? Okay, I thought, did they? Didn't they? Well, when you start reading around it, the answer is possibly, maybe. There might have been a period of about 800 years when Israel did live in tribes and they put this in place. If they did, though, they did it intermittently, not all the time. So maybe it's not surprising that just like the Israelites didn't follow all good's plans, we also know that we don't follow all good's plans. We aren't living three and a half thousand years ago. We're living in the freedom that Jesus gives us with the help of the Holy Spirit. So what is in this passage that actually applies to us today? The first one that spoke to me was take rest seriously. Work from a place of rest. If we're always working, we will struggle to have right relationships with one another and we will struggle to have a right relationship with God. We are designed to work from a place of rest. I know some of us here have the joy of being beyond traditional work and you have the joy of being retired. I know also that you still work. You have many things just because you're not earning money for it. You have many things that you are doing. And I also know that some of us here won't be working to earn money because our individual circumstances mean that we cannot and we receive government support. And even then, we need to live out of a place of rest. I set a business up in 1995, and I can remember working out the finances, factoring in, usually not working at weekends, and taking holidays, because I knew that it was important to have rest. But let's be a bit more radical. Let's 
take rest seriously for everyone, all of society. Some jobs, even when you work full time or as many hours as your family commitments permit you to, pay so low that in order to survive, you have to work seven days a week. And this might become more so with the next few years we're entering with higher energy costs and food costs. This is not right that our society is like this. So often people don't have time to have space to consider the spiritual, to discover God, because life is so busy, and especially for those in lower paid jobs, they have to work long hours. There's a particular phrase I hate, and that phrase is the minimum wage. I really hate it. I love another phrase, the living wage. I understand the living wage. On the minimum wage, you cannot get by without working very long hours. On the living wage, you can. So let's plan our lives with rest included. Let's encourage our friends and family members, including those who haven't yet discovered God's love, to make rest part of their lives. Because just maybe as they learn to rest, maybe they will hear God's voice. And where we are in a position to pay other people for their work, let's ensure we pay a living wage. And let's join in with other organizations, groups who are advocating for a living wage. So let's live out of a place of rest. Another thing I took for the, from this passage is treat others fairly and with dignity. Jesus reminds us to love our neighbor. Treat others as you would want to be treated is a popular adage, but from the Bible. And this is for everyone. It is not exclusive to our Christian church community. Every single person in this world is made in God's image, Christian or not. Each person is deeply loved by God. Every day we meet people. Let's treat them fairly and with dignity. Let's observe ourselves. Let's observe ourselves failing at doing this time and time again in our daily lives. Let's ask God's forgiveness and let's re keep repeating that cycle. Let's keep trying to do it. And it is for everyone. I love the fact that we support Christian solidarity worldwide here in St. Barnabas as a family. And they work for the rights of everyone to practice their faith, whether that's a Christian faith or not. And that is what we are called to do. I also love organizations like Tradecraft. Their uh, catalog dropped through the box the other day. And I love this bit on the inside front cover. Tradecraft is a Christian response to poverty. 
Tradecraft was founded in 1979 by a group of Christians who wanted to challenge the deep injustices embedded in global trade. We want to remain true to our origins. We do not want to stop until trade is conducted fairly for the benefit of all who participate in the supply chain. We welcome everyone to join in our endeavor of making trade fair. We work with supporters of all faith and and we work with farmers and artisans, whatever their creed, ethnicity, or religion. We believe that justice transcends ideology and individual borders. I love that description of seeking justice for everyone. We could do this in our daily actions, observe, do, seek forgiveness, do it again, keep trying to treat others for fairly and with dignity. And we can also do it by supporting organizations, either through trade or education, are seeking to create a level playing field where people can earn a living and work. Third thing I got from that passage, treat everything you have as if it is from God, because it actually is. We just sang, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. In the passage, God says to the Israelites, no land may be permanently bought or sold. It all belongs to me. It isn't your land. And you only live there for a while. Now, my husband Dave is actually very good about saying things like, it's God's house that we live in. It's God's car that we have. He does have a little weakness, though. When it comes to his pens, should you dare pick a pen up that is his and walk away with it, that is clearly not God's, but his. I did check. He didn't mind me sharing that. No, God's given it to me to look after. <laughs> <laughs> so, house, car, bank account. Savings, should you have any? Pension, talents, time. They're actually all God's if we give ourselves to him. Bit of a scary thought, maybe. And maybe we need to practice saying to ourselves, it's God's. When you get in your car, it's God's. When you get home, it's God's. When you pick up a pen next, it's God's. If we practice doing this, I do believe it will make us more generous. It isn't actually ours anyway. We're to share what we have. Everything we have is only on lease to us. We go out of this world with nothing, either for our lifetime or just for part of our lifetime. And maybe for those people who find themselves in a position to be very wealthy, it helps them to think it's all God's, to give away, actually, vast amounts of their wealth. And maybe if we keep thinking it's God's, it'll stop us hoarding worldly goods more than we need. And we might even, even when we're self-employed and run our own businesses, take time off to rest instead of earning more money. My final point, 
I think this passage reminds us to trust that God will provide. The Israelites had to, didn't they? That seventh, God wanted to say, give me a time where I will provide for you because I will. That every seven years, that 49th year and scary, there was a 50th year that you needed to have enough in the larder. And God was saying, I will have put enough in this larder. So the Israelites were being given this time not to apply, not to provide for themselves, but instead to trust God. God has a plan for each of us here. With this plan, God was going to give the Israelites more than they needed every sixth year. God is saying, don't worry about what you'll eat. Remember Jesus' words in Matthew. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. We need to trust God and he will provide. Dave and I had a real experience of that two years ago as COVID hit and running a small business ourselves. God had already provided for us. It was quite a shock. It was quite amazing and we celebrated it. If I ask for a testimony now of someone to come up and say that God's provided for you, I know there would be a cue because actually I know so many ways that God has provided for lots of people around this church. Whatever we need, we need to ask God. God does not always provide it in the way we expect it, but he does provide. And as God provides, let's learn to celebrate it. It isn't, poor me, God provided and I just got by. It's actually, wow, God provided what I needed. And when we become dependent on God for what we need, our relationship with him deepens, doesn't it? That's why God has these plans for us. So I started in the third book of the Bible. And I want to end on the last book of the Bible. We're now in the Old Testament and it's Revelation. And this is when we will see the full reset of the economy, of society, and everything in it. It isn't going to happen in our lifetime, but we will be present in heaven when it happens. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated at the throne said, I am making everything new. So God will make everything new. He will create complete justice in heaven. Until then, these were the four points that I got from that passage. I'm sure you could get many more. 
They were, take rest seriously for yourself, but also for others. Treat everyone fairly and with dignity. Treat everything we have as from God, because it actually is. And trust that God will provide. Not just trusting, but actually celebrating when he does. Wow, God has provided for me. And for all these things, we asked God's help. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. To hear more messages like this, make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, head to westchelt.org.uk or search West Chelt across social media. We love you. We can't wait to see you again.